A house that has an unreasonable seller with an unreasonable price in a condition that makes it not saleable, I think that has actually more potential harm than good. Just right. open the door. Don't try to convince them of anything, sell them That's on right. anything. Just ask if they're open to it, but hopefully just set up an appointment. Just saying whatever you got to say to get the listing and not setting those expectations up front, hoping that they come to terms with reality and you beat them up on price because you don't have the skills to set that up right from the beginning. So today we are talking about something and that something is whether or not every single listing is worth taking. There's an old there's an old saying out there that a sign in the ground is better than a sign in the trunk, I think is how it goes. I'm not <laughs> sure it didn't rhyme, so I don't think that's exactly how it goes, but there's some type of saying like that. And I just don't know if I buy into that. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And so again, anybody in the live audience that wants to join this conversation live on the video podcast, just put it in the comments and then Colton will send you a link. Whether you agree, you disagree, you want to have some healthy debate, I think it'll just be a lot of fun. So yep. here is my take on this topic. And then obviously Colton and Ben want your view on it. And there's obviously a, a difference of opinion. You know, I used to think that too, that like, just take the listing, just take the listing, just take the listing. But there's a lot of second order consequences to taking a bad listing. And when I mean a bad listing, here's what I mean. I mean a listing that A, is with first and foremost, a seller who is not motivated to sell the house. Because there's a lot of human beings who are willing to put their house on the market just under like crazy circumstances. If I get this ridiculous price, uh, I never want to show it. So you can never show the house. So you can never show it. And I want the highest price of all time. And under those circumstances, sure, I will list the house. And we all know those. We all know the seller that's just so unreasonable. So a house that has an unreasonable seller with an unreasonable price in a condition that makes it not saleable, I think that has actually more potential harm than good. And my argument would be, if you take that listing and it sucks the life out of you, right. you end up not wanting to ever list a house again. And oh, by the way, now you start to get in that neighborhood a bad, uh, uh, you start to associate your brand in a negative light. Oh, you're the agent with that piece of shit that is never going to sell. That's way overpriced. I can't believe you would even list that. I would never want to work with an agent like you. And I think it's a very scarcity mindset to have to say, yeah, just put your sign in the front yard of any listing, any human being with any pulse that's willing to give you the listing, just take it. Doesn't matter what the commission is. Doesn't matter what the price is. How does that saying go? Like, get the sign out of the trunk, put it in the yard. I just don't, I don't believe in that. What do you guys think? I mean, for me, the only argument to do that, I think that advice is more so given to uh, either new agents or agents who just, you know, are struggling and don't have a listing. And they say, yeah, you know, I mean, if you get your name out there, maybe you get a referral. But the thing is, when you have a bad listing that's not selling, and, and from the standpoint of what you said, it's going to not only suck the life out of you, but you're going to spend all your time 
trying to keep that seller happy, trying to get it sold, trying to go above and beyond to sell an unsellable listing, which means you're not going to be looking for a, an actual listing you can sell. So it's going to take your time away from actually getting real sellers and not working with gamblers. Yeah. And, and you say ahead, it all the time, Brandon, like, um, pretend this is the absolute last listing and everything depends on this listing for you to get the next one and build your career. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think you're going to have a better job continuing your career through having a listing for 90 days and like losing it, it expiring or saying, mm, I'm going to wait. If I've got my whole career depends on a listing, I'm going to, you know what? Blackjack style. I'm going to fold this hand. I'm well, Texas Hold'em probably. I'm going to fold this hand and I'm going to go to the next one um, just to make sure that this is the right one. And then I can, because we don't get paid with the sign in the yard. We get paid when it closes, right? And I'd rather put my effort towards getting one that can actually sell versus one that's just going to sit and everyone gets upset. Well, you just brought up something I forget, or, or Colton, the, the gambler versus the, the the person who is moving, who has decided I'm moving versus yeah. the gambler. Well, the same thing goes for the agent who takes that listing. It's the agent who, like, look at the cause, okay? Not the symptom. What is the cause? Why wouldn't, why would a real estate agent take a listing knowing that he or she can't sell it? All right, real quick, and then we'll get right back to the content. If you're a real estate agent, you're looking to build a listing-based business, a business where you can generate a multiple six-figure income, a business that doesn't require you to waste thousands of dollars on the new marketing gimmicks, then I'm going to invite you to click the link right underneath this video to learn about our Listing Agent Academy coaching program. This is a six-month intense coaching system that more than 3,000 thousand agents from every market all over the country have now gone through. And here's the reality. Here's the truth. I will shoot you straight. This program is not for everyone. This is for agents who value being around winners. They value being in a community of other real estate agents that actually show up, that actually put forth the work. And this is for agents that embrace high levels of accountability and visibility. To get the details, all you have to do is click the link beneath this video. You can schedule a coaching consultation and then you can decide for yourself. So with that being said, let's jump back into the content. Why would they want to do that? Well, the type of agent that does that can be only operating from scarcity because mm -hmm. the, the agent that, that is operating from abundance does exactly, Ben, what, what you said is, well, I only get paid when I perform this outcome. So if I go into a situation knowing I'm not going to get paid, I'm going to gamble and hope that I get something out of it. I get a sign call. I get this. I can hold it open. Maybe I can get another client. And that is a result of simply not having a big pipeline. Yeah. People only act at a scarcity when they don't have a lot of opportunity. And they become desperate. They become needy. They, they end up just picking up the scraps. Because any successful real estate agent has the willingness to walk away, doesn't need anything. That's why we always say a decision to work together is mutual or should be mutual. Mm -hmm. It isn't, you know, people doing business because one person's desperate and needy. But to me, 
That's why agents take those listings. When they know they're never going to sell, it's they, they're operating from hope. They're operating from scarcity. They, Go ahead. Do you think they actually, when they're doing that, they even know that it's not going to sell? Or do you think they're just, they're not even like looking into it that far? They're just like, great, whatever you want, people please. Like, they're just like, let's do it. Let's rock and roll. And they don't even, they didn't even do the research in the first place to know if it'll sell. They're crossing their fingers regardless and just hoping yeah. for It's a good point. It's a great point. You're, you're saying, are you saying that the agent says to they himself- didn't the market, They didn't look into the market data. They, they, did, they don't know what the, the comps are. They don't know that, you know, what's going on. They're just saying, oh, this guy wants me to sell. I'm going to sell. They haven't even gone far enough to know that they're taking an overpriced listing. Okay. I love it. So, so you're talking about a list to list philosophy versus a list to sell philosophy. Very yeah. distinct difference. Let me explain. So exactly. most, most agents, right? They go into a listing appointment with one thought and one thought only. What do I have to say? What do I have to do to win the listing? Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about what happens next, to your point. All I care is my, my sign is in that front yard. Whether mm -hmm. this thing sells or not, whether this thing is successful or not, I'm not even thinking that far ahead <laughs> versus the agent who has a list to sell philosophy, who's not interested in just taking another listing. But she's interested in helping someone successfully move for what it does for her personal brand is I don't list houses that I don't sell, period. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it to me. And Mr. and Mrs. Seller, if you're looking for an agent who's more interested in getting his sign in your front yard, regardless if the property sells or not, I am not your guy. There's a lot of agents like that. I can refer you to a bunch of them. They'll come in here, discount their commission to next to nothing, make you all the promises under the moon that they're going to do this, they're going to do that. All false narratives so that you, so that they can get their pretty little face with their arms crossed on their sign in your front yard with no actual plan to get your property sold. If that is what you want, there's a lot of those mules out there. I'm just not one of them. And you have to be willing to walk away. That's right. Kind of similar going to the conversation we had on, on yesterday's show about just getting to the truth, you know, like in people pleasing and just saying whatever you got to say to get the listing and not setting those expectations up front and just being straight up with somebody. You're just kind of either taking a listing to get the sign in the yard philosophy and or hoping that they come to terms with reality and you beat them up on price because you don't have the skills to set that up right from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I just think that there's so much that I want to get into and I'm wondering, okay, do we get into it into the show? Do we save it for another episode? But yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the, the thought of taking a listing that you know, you have no business taking, I think is the closest thing to malpractice in our, in our business. Yep. And here's the thing. After you've taken the listing, it isn't that the consumer or the seller in this case has any lower expectations. This is what causes the anxiety. Hear this out. Let me explain this. It's like you take a listing with a seller and the reason you got it was because you discounted your commission and you were the lowest commission and you got the business. Well, as soon as you get past that commission conversation, 
it isn't that now that the seller says, well, I know that you discounted your commission, so therefore I'm expecting less. No, their expectations are as, as high or higher than any other seller, regardless of the commission. Agents don't think about that. They think, okay, I can discount this and maybe get away with this, that, or the other thing. I can take this listing under these circumstances and maybe, no, no, no. The seller isn't going to, they've forgotten that they had that conversation. As soon as you get past, okay, you've listed my house. What are you doing to sell my house? And in your head, you're like, dude, I told you this thing's way overpriced. You think they're thinking about that? No, they're going to ride you every single day, causing you to have so much anxiety when it was your fault. But the sellers don't look at it the same way an agent does when they feel like they're doing someone a favor. The, the seller doesn't think that way. They still want you to perform. That's mm -hmm. the danger of taking a listing that we know we shouldn't be taking. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you think that, well, first off, does that make sense, what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah. It's, it's the for sale by owner. And, and sometimes people have to experience this to understand what I'm saying. The for sale by owner, if you've ever done, this is why we kind of got out of the business of doing um, flat fee listings. It's why we kind of stopped doing that because you list somebody's house in the MLS for like a flat fee in a, on a limited service listing. This is, this is the best analogy. Mm. That person still wants a full service experience. It's like, absolutely, dude, you paid $99. Uh, yeah. They don't <laughs> think that. They still want you to market it. They still want you to find the buyer, off, uh, negotiate all the offers, promote it, do your open houses, run the full service experience when you're the whole time. You're like, what in the fuck are you thinking? This is a limited service. The consumer doesn't think that way. They still right. want the full red carpet. Yep. That is yeah. why. And I've never said that probably that way before. That's the danger of discounting. You think, okay, cool. I can do less. Uh-uh. Seller wants you to do as much or more for less. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> I, I, don't, I was even talking to Colton about this not too long ago, but it's like when you have a really good idea and you present something and the play runs perfectly, all of a sudden it's the seller's idea. Oh yeah, I knew it would do this. I knew it would do that. But as soon as something gets taken, whether it was their idea or your idea and it doesn't get executed, you take all the heat. Right. So it, to, to your point, like they expect it to just go perfectly. They want it. So why not charge for it? That's right. If that's what they're going to want. Why not charge them for the, the hand towel dry car wash so that they're happy? They don't have the water spots. Well, and, and we kind of touch on it almost every episode, I feel like. But, you know, the other downside to taking listings at a discounted commission is my argument is. It's actually worse for the seller. And I don't think sellers think about that. And I don't think the agent thinks about that until they consider what I'm about to say. Hmm. The thing is, when you do when you do a when you deliver on a service that other people are paying you more for, and you have this client who's paying less for them, automatically is built in resentment. And as a result, you don't put forth your best work. So when the seller's thinking, okay, cool, I hired you, Ben, because I believe I'm going to put more money in my pocket by paying less, it actually hurts the seller 
because the agent doesn't do as much to sell that house as they do on a full commission. And no one ever talks about that. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I have like a quick flashback, real life example of being 14 years old, working in a, um, like a, a cart barn, right? I worked at a country club, guys would come in and, um, you know, you clean their clubs, you put them away, whatever, and you knew who was coming, right? Mm. And I knew, okay, here comes Kevin, man, every time he's happy to see me, he knows me by name and he gives me 20 bucks and you better believe I run up, I grab him his diet Coke. I've got the air hose ready to clean out his cart. I've got his shoes dialed in, right? But then exactly oh, right. Here comes Betty, never gotten a tip from her, and she doesn't know who I am, shows me no respect, and then she gets mad when, you know, and I'm resenting sitting there scrubbing her clubs. Like, what Great am I doing? Great analogy. It's like, it, that's where the saying comes from, you get what you pay for. I mean, that's where it comes from. But the agent who's... What's to that? put a bow on it, yeah. I now am in control of working with only Kevin's yeah. versus Betty's, where in that situation, I had to work with everybody. I was in a storefront, but now I get to walk in and say, oh, this is a Betty, not my type of person. I know I'm not going to fulfill on this. It's not going to be a good fit versus yeah. this is a Kevin. Let's, let's rock and roll. What up, Gigi? We got a special guest on the show. What up? Hey. <laughs> Colton, you owe me, buddy. I look like doo -doo you from the gym. Ugh. You I look great. I like to So we have uh we have probably one of our most popular, one of our most valuable uh members Stop inside it. of our community. So Gigi, welcome to the show. What's up, dudes? I love you guys. Ben, you shaved. I'm proud. That's right. He's looking he's looking good. It's summertime. Looking dope, man. Yeah, you're looking dope. So y'all so are talking about MFers. I love it. We're, we're talking about MFers. So give us your thoughts on um, whether or not you think every listing is worth taking or not. I think it depends on where you're at in your journey. Mm, tell us more. So so for, for someone like me, I go on, you know, I, I do what you say, basically. I, I think I say that a hundred times in the group, but I met with four people this past week. Two, I shook their hand and kindly said, you know, I don't think we're a fit. I do think you'll sell. Uh, I, I just don't have the energy to put in for what you're, what you're asking me to take for payment. And mm -hmm. we walked, I walked away smiling and actually was just texting with one of the gentlemen today and he's like, Hey, Gigi, we're still thinking. I'm like, well, what are we thinking about? We agreed to not work together. And he's like, well, it. about your price. I'm like, Oh, I said, Oh, you've come to reality. And he said, well, I looked up the other agents like you told me to because of the red flag. And, uh, they sold like seven houses. I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> do you still want to work with me or not? Yeah. Let me ask you this. That's such a great point. I think, I, I believe that you can operate from such clarity and such abundance because you have such a commitment to lead generation that you're not needy. You're not desperate for a listing. 
And I want your thoughts on that. Is, is, is that why you're able to operate with such confidence, with such conviction to know your worth? It's because how much lead generation you do? Right. Because it, it's, I hear so many people say this and it, I cringe. It's not a money mindset. It's, I'm not confident that I will get on the phone every day and do the work I need to do to build the pipeline I need to build. So I'm just going to take the scraps that are on the table. And then you get, like you said earlier, I was listening as I was driving, you're so busy pleasing this piece of crap that's abusing you for, I'm not going to say percentages, so I'll get in trouble, but for some low budget deal, and you probably are going to end up giving them money at closing because you just have to make the sale close to make your money when you could have just invested in yourself and said, okay, I'm going to make a hundred contacts this week. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to measure it from that. And then over time you end up, you know, your first six months, like I'll tell you this year, we're 110,000 in. I don't really give a shit if I get a listing. Doesn't that's matter right. to me. But that's the attitude that I think comes from doing the work. It's a great point. And, and you're exactly spot on. And there's nothing else to add to it. If, if an agent is rarely prospects and doesn't have a commitment to daily prospecting, they're going to end up with mm -hmm. the worst listings in the market, with the most unmotivated sellers, the hardest people to work with. That's what they're going to end up with because the people like Gigi, the top agents in the marketplace are saying, no, thank you. Go work with the other mules because Gigi gets the best listings in the marketplace, the highest motivation, the best price listings, the sexiest houses in the best condition with the best people because she's just talking to so many more people than the average agent. Gigi, we appreciate you very much. Yeah, no problem. We'll have you on the show again, I'm sure, at some point. But uh, we we I'm would love to have you as now, a so. we we would love to have you as a as a regular contributor to the show if if you'd have it. Well, I'm kind of boring, but sure, I'll I'll be there. I love you, girl. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much. Right, Bye. You know, Gigi uh, made me think of something as she was talking, yeah. um, and it and it kind of shows through her attitude and her mentality. And I'm sure we've all heard this saying before, but it but it hits different on this subject. And so it goes, first you get paid for what you do, then you get paid for who you are, right? Mm. And so like who she is as an agent and the belief she has and the integrity she stands on, that's why she's getting paid, not because she's doing something to take a lit. It's who she is as an agent. And if you ha can hold that, that's why you get paid. It seems like Colton somehow is able to say things, and I think Ben, you'd agree, that gives me goosebumps every day. And that was one of those because it's like so true. This is this is the have to be versus be to have argument yet again. You know, like oh. you're getting paid not because you do drone photos, not because you do this, this, this. Dude, that has nothing to do with it. You're getting paid based on who you are, the type of person you are how you carry yourself, how you present yourself, how you communicate. And that is why people get paid premium. And that's why a lot of agents have a tough time earning a premium, right? Because they believe they've got to go in there and be the mule, you know, and, and do this and do that and do this and do that and just operate from a place of scarcity. So therefore, that's what you get compensated is peanuts, scraps. 
Absolutely. And Gigi said something else that was good. It depends where you are, right? And if you are at the beginning of your career and, and you take one of those overpriced listings, just go into it eyes wide open and know absolutely like what you're getting into and the, the real risks that are associated with it, right? And if you're willing to take those risks, which most people are, then do it. But just know Gigi is going to be there to take your expired listing when you lose it, if you do, right? Yeah. It's, it's something we talk about all the time. And it's that, you know, like the learning is in the doing. So you might have to go through that to, to really feel that and, and, and sense going right. into like, The only way you can stop taking overpriced listings is by taking overpriced listings. So you kind of know what that is going into it in the future. You might mess a couple up and you get lucky. One of them sells, two of them don't, you know, you, you, you understand what a headache client is and now you kind of know what to look for. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, there's a lot more, I think we could add to this conversation, but I just think that in my head, there's the, the argument for taking the listing versus not taking the listing. There is a lot of nuance and there's a lot of context to it, it's very situational, right? There, there's yeah. the other the other side of this argument to be fair is there is a world where you do take a listing that maybe is overpriced or um maybe in a situation that otherwise you wouldn't based on the right circumstances the right circumstances would be a seller who is a reasonable human you know it's like yeah. well listen I, I get it i see the data it makes sense i just for me and, and my wife we've just got to try this higher price we just owe it to ourselves and listen, Ben, if we can't get that price, listen, we, we've got to move. So if we can't get that in, the, in, in 30 days or so, we're, you know, that's, that's a different story. Yeah. It isn't mm-hmm. to be egotistical to think that you're above the listing. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're suggesting at all. It's about doing business um, as a professional and setting expectations and not being out there being reckless and just taking all these listings. Because here's the truth. When I first started, I was that agent. I was Tell the, the story. Tell the 20, I am the going to. Yeah. I'm the reckless, needy, immature, desperate, wanting to please everybody. I talked about that at the other show. I, I probably couldn't name all five of those together. Let's just put it this way. I was a mess. I was a mess. And I still am a mess. I'm just hoping to be less of a mess today than I was, you know, 20 years ago. My first month in the business, right? I come from phone sales from the mortgage business. I'm used to being on the phone eight, nine hours a day. So much so that if I wasn't, you got written up. And if you get three write-ups, you you get fired, right? That's the world I come from. So getting into real estate, when agents had a tough time prospecting for two hours, I'm like, I'm going to just crush this business. These people have no chance and I did that in my first 30 days. I took 20 listings in my first 30 days as a realtor. And everyone's looking at me like, dude, you are like, you're, you're God. You're, you're amazing. Yeah. None of them sold. Not one. They all either got fired or they all expired and came off the market because, because I did the exact thing we're saying to list be. To yeah. I was listing to listing. I was list to list because. I attached my emotional needs to getting them to sign the contract. If they signed that contract, I won. It didn't matter if it sold yeah. or not. I was happy. I was excited. But then I didn't understand the pain of the second order consequences later down the line when all 20 failed to sell. And I'll tell you, 
that was a very stressful, stressful time. And anybody knows when you have a listing that just won't sell, the amount of stress you carry, how hard it is to sleep, when that seller calls you and you cringe and your butthole puckers up a little bit, it's like, man, that's not a fun experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. No doubt. Crazy. No doubt. So yeah. anyway, that was fun. Um, any questions, comments, Colton, that we've got to address, just always make sure we bring those up. And I don't want to miss yeah. anybody that's watching the live live audience. Yeah, we've got a couple. Uh, one of the another OG valued member uh, of our community, similar to Gigi, Keith Zimmer. Keith commented, um, 50% of my listings start overpriced in the beginning. And I think, and Keith, Keith's a rock star. And I think it goes back to Brandon, what you just said before your story, it's just about the expectations, you know, like as long as you set those expectations and maybe run them through, uh, one of the craziest things I've ever heard you teach when it comes to pricing that blew my mind when you first taught this to me, which was the rule of three play right? Yeah. and, and setting those expectations and the days on market presentation. As long as you do that, I think you're in, you're, you're safe. Well, Keith, it, Keith brings up a phenomenal point. And yeah, Keith is, we got mad respect for Keith, um, but he brings up a reality and a truth in that one of the principles we talk about quite often is people don't believe what you tell them. So the seller in context has to experience the market from for themselves so that they can understand with certainty that, yeah, that price that I want is not a reality. And so it's fine to get into a situation where you hit the market on the seller's price. But the caveat is you had a great expectation uh, conversation with the seller to say, listen, every single house that hits the market in your neighborhood goes under contract within 14 days. If we're sitting here and we're on the market for much more than that, and we have no showings and the showings have stopped and the interest has stopped, you've got two choices. You can price it to where the buyers are willing to pay or end up sitting in the market as a stale listing and end up risking selling for a lot less than you could. If the seller says, yep, totally, on I'm on board with that, then most of the time, the seller has to experience that because it doesn't matter what the data shows. It doesn't matter what you tell them. It doesn't matter what anybody else tells them. They have to experience it for themselves. They have to experience going on the market at a price that is too high and experience the stress of nobody interested, no showings, no feedback to say, damn, all right, all right, let's get this thing priced right. So sometimes that happens. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He also said that if the seller's motivated, starting price is a speed bump, which is a great point. It's a great um, point. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Daniel, this is a little off topic, but it's, it's a good question. Nonetheless, I think we can address here. Um, Daniel said, I'm making calls right now calling it expired first time ever in real estate just got one that is wanting to communicate uh via text only she said she's busy right now and just to text so i replied can i give you a quick call when you are free i had a couple of questions before i head into a meeting when would you think would be a good time to touch base and then so daniel asked do you think i butchered it or is there something else y'all would have recommended well i mean i think that there's a lot of pros and cons to to text. Uh, the, the downside, of course, is you don't get direct instant feedback like you do in a phone call or at the door. Like when you say something, you can get direct feedback from another human instantaneously. That's why it's so effective. Voice to voice or face to face conversations are always the most uh, important. 
So if you can't have that, but text, the upside to text is you can be strategic in how you communicate that you can't when you're having a voice to voice because you get nerves flying, you've got emotions going back and forth. So uh, I don't, I mean, obviously there's a lot of context to that conversation that may or may not, we, we may not have, but if I'm gonna text communication with someone, I might even think about incorporating some video to humanize myself, to turn words into emotion, right? So I so that'd be the only thing I would add for him, Colton, would be to consider shooting, you know, Betty Sue, the seller, a quick video. Hey, I want to introduce myself. I know you're busy. You know, I don't even know if it makes sense, but, uh, you know, and then you can start asking some more strategic questions through video to one, set yourself apart from all the other communications that are happening, especially with an expired listing, right? To, to separate yourself from the crowd through video communication. And then the ultimate goal is to, you just want to make sure that when you're texting, that you don't rush the process. Too many agents are, they sniff some interest and then they they jump all over it like the, the boy on prom night, the little boy on prom night, and then they scare off the seller. So yep. be patient would be my other piece of advice. Take it one question at a time. You know, and the question I love to ask and expire is, you know, hey, I see obviously the property had come off the market unsold. If we were, if there was an option for you to get a price that works for you or more, is that something that'd be totally off the table right now? And that's just a really good question to pose to, to, a, to an expired listing to give them exactly what they want to further that conversation. So that would be what I would add. Ben, I don't know what you would add. No, I, I, I agree. I, I think the ultimate goal is just to create uh, a, a communication back and forth to see if they want to have further conversation, right? That's just right. open the door. Don't try to convince them of anything, sell them That's on right. anything. Just ask if they're open to it. And I think they said, you know, when's a good time to touch base? But, you know, even, even further than that, just kind of see, feel them out a little bit and take it from there to a phone call, but hopefully just set up an appointment. Well, yeah. And that brings me really quick, Colton, before we move on to anything else, conversation chunking. That's what Ben's talking about is especially in text. You can't go from question to, to, you know, listing the property. We have to chunk it down. You have to sell one thing at a time. And in this case, we're trying to sell a conversation. That conversation can then sell an appointment. The appointment then can sell the opportunity to potentially work together or not. And either one is fine. Yep, exactly. I think that's about it. I'm just uh, scrolling through the top to see if we missed anything. But that was a great question, Daniel. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And Gigi, thanks for popping on the show. And anybody else in the live audience, you know, every day, that's exactly what what we'll do. Uh, if you if we're talking about a topic that you feel passionate about, and you want to jump on the show, or, or or you have you look at something differently than how we're looking at it, and we want to have some healthy debate. I think that's what this world needs more of, quite frankly, is a difference of opinion, and have some healthy debate one way or the other, because there's a lot to learn from healthy communication or healthy debate. So for anybody in the live audience, you'll have that opportunity every day. And then anybody that might be watching this replay on YouTube, if you guys have questions or anything, topics you want us to discuss, let us know. 
and um, we'll see you guys in the morning.